Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today, you're listening to episode 171, and I'm talking with Des Linden. This is my third interview with Des, and I had the honor of interviewing her live in New York City the weekend of the United Airlines New York City Half Marathon with the New York Roadrunners. I'm so honored to be partnering with the New York Roadrunners again this year, and I want to tell you about their virtual racing series, which I just participated in my first virtual race of theirs, and it was so much fun. So you might know that I was in New York City for my live interview with Des, and I came home on Saturday, but their race, the United Airlines New York City Half Marathon, was Sunday, but I needed to get back to my kids. So I went ahead and came home, but I signed up for their virtual race. So I was able to participate in the excitement and actually, so their virtual racing program launched about a year ago and it's in partnership with Strava and you're racing virtually along with friends and with over 100 other countries anytime and you see real time results. So the cool thing about the half marathon, the virtual half this weekend is you had anywhere between Thursday to Sunday to complete the half marathon and be a part of that. And they have really cool things involved in signing up for their virtual races like guaranteed entries and there are multiple levels and ways you can sign up so I encourage you guys to go to nyrr.org slash virtual racing and check it out sign up to be a part of it and you can check out when their next race is I'm going to be doing all of their virtual races this year because it's fun and if I'm going to be running anyway why not guys if you don't know Des Linden I don't know why you're listening to this podcast no I'm just kidding But Des Linden, she won the Boston Marathon this past year in 2018. She's been on the show twice before. You guys need to check out her first two interviews if you haven't done that yet. She is episode 148, and she's also episode 97. Two really great interviews with Des that give you different pieces of her story. And then today, for the live interview that we did in New York, we talked about how her racing strategy was different this year compared to last year at the half marathon what heading into Boston as the reigning champion feels like, and all kinds of other really fun stuff. Des is funny. She's hilarious. And we had a lot of fun banter back and forth in this conversation. And you guys hang around at the end because we did open it up to listener questions in the audience, which was super fun as well to give those that were there the opportunity to talk to Des as well. And Des did go on to place fifth in a time of 111.22 at this race. She finished as the second American. I don't know about you guys, but I'm so excited to see what Des does in Boston in just a few weeks. Really exciting. Before we start talking with Des, I want to thank a sponsor for this episode, and that's Mercury Mile. Spring is here. It's time to freshen up your running gear. Mercury Mile has everything you'll need to look and feel great as the weather turns warmer. Each run is an experience, and they make shopping for running an experience as well. MercuryMile.com is a place to go for the latest styles fusing fashion with function and you will find top brand shorts tops tights and accessories and calm cool color palettes or bright bold patterns you can start running your mercury mile in just three easy steps go to mercurymile.com complete a short profile outlining your sizes and preferences choose a shipment date and check out it's that simple at mercurymile.com their expert stylists create a personalized shopping experience for men and women then they deliver what you need right to your doorstep so you can get moving Go to mercurymile.com, that's mercurymile.com today, and use the code HAVEANOTHER19 to save $10 off your stylist fee. 
You guys, the Instagram picture I posted this weekend where I have like a black tank top and black arm warmers on, that picture was right after I finished my New York Roadrunners virtual half this weekend. Uh, But anyway, I'm wearing rabbit, running rabbit arm warmers that I got from my Mercury Mile box last year. And I love those arm warmers. So that's what I love about the Mercury Mile deal is that you, in the box, you're going to get items that you might not pick out for yourself. I personally love running with arm warmers and that was like my favorite thing in that box. So anyway, yeah, go to mercurymile.com and use the code haveanother19 to get $10 off your stylist fee. All right, you guys, I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Des Linden. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, good evening, good evening. Hi, everybody. My name is John Phillips. Uh, I'm the senior manager of runner programming and products here at New York Runners. Thank you guys so, so much for, for coming out. Uh, this weekend. Before we, I introduce a few folks, um, I do want to do a, a quick plug for, for this place right here. Um, the NYR Run Center featuring the New Balance Run Hub is truly a mecca for, uh, for the running community. Um, for those that are in town uh, that live in New York, I do want to let you guys know that we have almost 80 lockers in the back here. We have changing rooms, bathrooms. Um, if you have a gym membership, just cancel it. Forget it. I just saved you 150 bucks a month. This is a place that you can come and use our facilities. We also have training classes that focus on making you a happier and healthier runner. Stretching, strength, yoga, HIT, Zumba, all these different classes offered daily. Did I mention they were free? I buried the lead. Oh, my God. Um, please, please come and use this place. Um, and for those from out of town, thank you guys for making this place a, a destination. We also have education classes. And for what we're really here today um, is really kind of you know, creating this place to be a, a running cultural uh, discourse and creating discussion surrounding running. And we have two people here that are um, going to, to create that conversation and are absolutely fantastic uh, um, to uh, creating it. I do want to introduce our president and CEO, Michael Caparasso, who's in the building. The wave. Um, so uh, I don't want to give too long of an introduction here, but one is in a podcaster who talks to the fastest and greatest run- runners in the world, and the other is coincidentally one of the greatest runners in the world. So uh, let's give a very warm round of applause to Lindsay Hine and Des Linden. Welcome. Thanks for having us to uh, New York City. Who, who here lives in New York? Who here is, who's a local? Okay, we have a lot of locals here. Loving the weather today is beautiful. And who's running the race real quick? Okay, good. We've got lots of good race questions. Stiff competition. Yeah. <laughs> who's competing against Des? Do we have anybody here competing against Des? Well, we're going to go ahead and get started. Thanks so much for having us today. Thank you, Des, for doing this. Thanks for having me here. Did you get a Instagram-worthy picture in Central Park this morning? That's my first question. I uh, brought my camera. <laughs> There's so many options out there. It's like <laughs> so photogenic. I don't know when I'm going to post it, where I'm going to post it, why I'm going to post it. But I signed <laughs> up for Instagram just for this. <laughs> All right, so this is your first time back. Is this your first time back in New York since the marathon in the fall? Yes. Okay. I think about that. Yeah. yeah. Are you excited for Sunday? I'm always excited to be in New York. It's such a fun city to be in. Um, running through Central Park for training runs is amazing. 
And obviously the Roadrunners put together amazing races all the time, um, every weekend, but the half, the full, the mini, all of those races with the elite fields, you know they're gonna be stiff competition and just a good experience. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be here and excited for Sunday. Okay, so guys, technically this is my third interview with Des, <laughs> but we've done this four times. This will be our fourth time. Uh, is that, are we recording back there? <laughs> Did we have we hit record? You have one job, Lindsay, <laughs> as a podcaster. What's the first thing you do when you start a podcast? We're gonna hit record. We are gonna Boom. capture this conversation. I'm gonna be in big trouble Sorry, with my I boss. We if couldn't. We, don't. we couldn't let that go. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna talk about the race on Sunday. We're gonna talk about Boston this year, this coming up Boston. But I want to talk about New York this past year, real quick. Your first post marathon, your first marathon post Boston win. Okay, so what what was that experience like? Expectations and what did you learn from it? This year it was a wild year. Um, obviously, winning Boston changes everything. Your whole world gets flipped upside down and. The schedule gets busier than ever, and you want to say yes to as many things as possible. One, for yourself, because it's the opportunity of a lifetime. Two, for the sport, because you can elevate it into the spotlight for a little bit longer than, you know, if there's a non-American winner. You know, our, our media cares about our winners, and so it's doing a service for the sport. And so my schedule was crazy busy. Um, I was trying to pack a lot in, and I also decided to change coaches. Um, Probably not very smart as a person, but I like everything up in the air at once just to see um, what I can do and how well I can do it. So it was a really a big year with everything on my schedule and the coaching change. Um, and balancing that all going into New York was a challenge. Um, I think the change in coaching was really fun and kept it fresh and exciting. So I headed into workouts really looking forward to it. And um, it was all new. And so it was hard to compare to the past. It was just fun and exciting, and so I, I was really pleased with how it all came together. Um, I would have loved to have been a little bit better because we all want that after a marathon. You look back and go, I wish I had done this different, or that would have been a little bit better here. All things considered, with what was on my plate and the transition, I thought it was a really solid day, and I walked away going, okay, we can tweak this and be a little bit better. So that was exciting too. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's gotta be hard coming off like the biggest win of your life and then heading into New York and then you walk away and now you're doing Boston again. So now, now where's your mind at? Yeah, I mean, I'm always thrilled to go back to Boston. It's the very first marathon I ever did. I love the course. I think I do really well there. Um, it's a race that I picture when I'm in training and things get hard. It's like, you know, Hereford to Boylston, those are the parts I remember. Heartbreak Hill, um, I, I think I probably know that course better than anybody. So I'm visualizing all of that. I'm always excited to go to Boston. And the training's gone well, and I'm adapted to the new coaching system a little bit more. And we're tweaking things and having, again, a lot of fun with it. So I'm more excited than ever. And we'll see what we get on race day. Is Boston your favorite marathon? I feel like I can't ask that here. <laughs> <laughs> is that illegal? Am yeah, I going to get I kicked out? <laughs> he says no. He says don't ask. <laughs> um, all right, so but we're here for the United Airlines New York City Half Marathon. So lots of people in the crowd here raise their hand that they're running the race. Why is this a good race, a good race to run pre-Boston? Well, it's just an amazing race. I mean, it's really, really fun. So if you're not running Boston, 
have a ton of fun out there. It's the first race of the spring. It's the thing you put on your schedule in the middle of the winter and it gets you out the door because you know you have the United New York City half to run and so you, you train for it. Um, the weather today gets you excited a little more. Okay, this is gonna be a good time, right? Um, and then we'll have milder temperatures on Sunday too, which is gonna be great. But I think if you are running Boston, the nature of the course just really mimics the training of Boston well. You have the hills early on, think of the Newton Hills, and then we get a little bit of a reprieve in the middle, have some flats to kind of let the legs unroll and, and stretch them out and maybe find your pace and your rhythm. And then obviously we're gonna finish hard in Central Park because that's just what we do here. Um, and that's again, you know, just the Newton Hills in Boston are gonna be on, on tired legs, so that's a great way to practice that and just get your rhythm and see how you mentally handle that late in the race. So it's all good practice moving into the marathon if that's your thing. Um, but if it is just this is the thing you circled and you're excited about getting out there and racing, uh, it's obviously a fantastic event. I, l I love the new course, Prospect Park to Central Park. I think it's um, different and challenging. I always kind of fell asleep on the old course. It was like get through Central Park and then the last part just sort of happens for you. You know, because it's downhill, tailwind, you're like, yes, yeah, that'll do itself. Um, that, that does not happen on this course, so it's a challenging 13.1, which is kind of the point. That's why we sign up, right? We want to challenge ourselves, and I think this course does that. Um, yeah, I actually ran the end of the, cor the old course uh, this morning with Christine Burke, and we're cruising downhill. We're seeing this beautiful view of the city. Do you see the view of the city? Do you pay attention to that when you're finishing? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I think if I'm having a bad day, I'm like, what could make me feel better? Oh, this view is amazing. That's cool. Uh, but if it's going really well, I'm like, I want to crush you and like the person right in front of you. And you're thinking about the finishing tape and like, let's crest this hill. So, you know, I, think, I guess it's maybe it's the low bar enjoying the view of the city. But in all the training, I definitely notice it. Okay. So do you think that the new course is going to aid to your strengths? Like, is this a good thing for the kind of runner that you are? Based on the field, yes. We have a former world record holder in the half marathon, former or current, I'm not sure. I, a current, Jocelyn Jepkowski, I'm gonna say that wrong. 105 something or other. Like 64.51. Okay, that's, that's moving, right? <laughs> so you throw that on the hills and maybe she slows up a little bit. I mean, we just, there's some really great runners in the field and so I think the nature of it makes it a little more tactical a little more technical, um, and it's certainly a strength runner's course. So people who are in marathon training, you're like, okay, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm doing the strength work, um, and it plays to our advantage just a little bit. Okay, so we have to talk about this. I'm sure a lot of people here maybe read an article, a similar article that I read about um, last year. You kind of ran this as your training race for Boston, and you've kind of made mention of the fact that you're going to kind of put yourself out there a little bit more this year with the mix. So talk about what that means. Yeah, in the past, it's been a race we come in on 120, 125 miles a week, and you're on tired legs. Um, I would typically do 18 miles a couple days out, two to three days out. So not, you're not tapering for this race. In the past, I wasn't. And, and so it was, if you can hit marathon pace, you're in a great spot, and this is a great lead into, into the, the marathon segment, and Boston you know, looks good from here. Um, with the, the change in coaching and the transition there, uh, my coach is like, I, I don't see any value in you coming in on tired legs. I see value in you 
relaxing and freshening up just a little bit at this point in the segment and just trying to compete. Like, let's learn how to compete, whether it's at the front or if your legs allow you to be in the middle of that field, whatever it may be. Um, cover moves, engage, get out of your comfort zone. Let's work on that, which is something I hadn't done in a long time. Um, and so a little bit rusty and it needs practice anyhow. So it'll be fun and I think it'll test me. And so racing's all about. It's the fun stuff, right? You come to here and you mix it up with really great people and you try to get a little bit more out of yourself than you could on tired legs or in a workout um, on a Sunday by yourself. So it's a good way to mix it up. Okay, so if one of these women who have run like a 68 or 67 are making moves at like the 10K, you being the strength runner that you are and um, being really good at the marathon, are you going to chase them down? Do you think you just listen to your body? How, what does that look like? Yeah, I think you still have to be intelligent about it. If someone drops a 440 mile in the middle, you know, at 10K into the half marathon, I don't think that's sustainable for me all the way in. I think that's a little bit out of my wheelhouse. Um, and then you make the decision on the fly. Do I cover the entire move? How long are we running this pace? Maybe I cover half of it and then try to work myself back into it. And those are all tactics that kind of need to be practiced and worked on and just getting yourself out of the comfort zone and then trying to settle back in and manage that mid-race fatigue. Um, so I don't know how I would respond to each one, but that's a really good thing to go out and try to do, you know, and just to see how things unfold and how I respond and what decisions I make. And then afterwards you go back and go, okay, this was good, this was bad. Let's tweak that. Um, it's just, it's all learning. Okay, so talk about that though. Like at running as an elite marathoner, when someone makes a move, you're either going with or you're letting them drop you back a little bit. And talk about the mental game that plays on you as both the person dropping you or the person getting dropped. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a long race and there's so many things that can happen. I think we really figure out our ability level in training and there's no major surprises on race day. Like if I've done all of my training at 224 um, and someone's prepared to run 219, I don't get way over my head and say, uh, uh, today I'm ready to run 219 I, just because I feel like this seems like a good idea. I mean, you have to still be within yourself and make intelligent choices out there, but it's also racing where it's like you have to extend yourself and get a little bit outside of your comfort zone and um, you know, that's the point of being in the race is to test yourself. So it's finding that balance and then making those decisions on the fly, which is tricky and that's why we do it. Okay, so I wonder if, does y do you get nervous at all this being so close to Boston, like this more of an all out effort than you've done at this race in the past and turning it around? What are you doing to me? <laughs> <laughs> what is this about? <laughs> it's interrogation. Uh, yeah, no, I feel, well, I wasn't before. Um, <laughs> No, I, I think, honestly, I have a ton of trust in my coach and a lot of faith in him, and I think um, we've dialed things back a little so I can have a really good effort here, and the overall fatigue of the week is the same. So a little less mileage, a little more intensity, same level of fatigue in theory, um, and then we still have a few good weeks to recover and also put in some good work to Boston. So I think it's a good balance. It's doable. A lot of athletes do that in the past. It's a formula to come here, test yourself, and then tweak things. Um, heading into the, the final weeks of Boston training or spring marathon training. Um, so it can be done. It just isn't something I've typically done in the past. It makes it more exciting for the rest of us, so thank you. 
No problem. Yeah, at <laughs> my expense, it's cool. <laughs> We're really excited for Sunday. Can you give any, it, who here is running on Sunday and then turning around and doing Boston? Do we have anybody doing that? Okay, we have a good handful. All right. So do you have any words of wisdom or advice for those people doing that transition? I do not yet because I've never done it before, Lindsay. <laughs> do they have any for me is the real question. We're looking for <laughs> advice. Oh, no, yeah. I, I think it's it's typical recovery after a big race. You know, it's like do all the healthy things immediately. Like we want to celebrate our race traditionally right afterwards, but you have to be an athlete for that extra few hours. Do the ice bath, eat the good food, um, get off your feet for a bit, take the nap, get a massage, and then have the gross snack later or whatever it is. But, um, you know, knowing that this is leading into something else, I think you make better choices. The gross snack later on. <laughs> you know what I mean. I love that. Okay, talk about mentally preparing for a half marathon versus a marathon. Like days leading up, morning of, is your mind in a different place? I think racing is racing. Like when you know you're going to compete, you kind of do all the checklist things, like make a race plan, have all your stuff prepared, have a game plan for the morning of the race, so on and so forth. Um, for me, the half marathon is such a hard distance. I don't want to scare anybody, but it's really hard. Um, I would much rather do a marathon. It's like comfortably hard until you know the last couple miles, and it's really hard. The half marathon gun goes off, and it's like really hard for 13.1. Um, sorry to break that to you now, but you know write your race plans accordingly. Uh, so that to, I like, I spend my time wrapping my mind around that, and just knowing that it's supposed to hurt from mile one and from the start. And, um, that's racing. That's the point. So it's it's fun. It's just different. I can honestly say I am terrified of half marathons. I would rather race a marathon over half any day. I'm right there with you. Uh, let's talk about going into Boston as the reigning champion. How does that feel? Like, let's yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah, you guys nailed it. That's how it feels. <laughs> that's how it feels. Um, it's it's super exciting. I mean, it's a race I've done six had done six times and um, had always dreamed of winning there. Uh, made me fall in love with the marathon, the event, the whole thing, and you obviously picture that moment for years and years and years. But you know, to have it come true is is incredible. Um, so going back, I, I'm super excited. I'm working harder than ever before. Want to have a really good showing, but it's also really celebratory. You know, I think. Um, it's going to be cool to go and get like the one bib, you know, that's, that's really neat. And just to have that connection with the city and um, to know I'm forever part of that history, that is all going to be really, really special. And I think that will be fun to celebrate all the way up until Sunday. And then, you know, Monday morning you turn the page and none of that matters. You just stand on the start line in Hopkinton and it's like, this is a new year, new race. Let's go. I feel like I'm being, I'm like making you nervous here, but does that feel like having the yellow jersey in the Tour de France? What are you <laughs> doing to me? I'm just, I'm just like, what does this feel like? I'm imagining standing at the start line as the reigning champion. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I really don't know yet. Um, I'm trying, I mean, I'm a person who just kind of finds a way to make myself an underdog so that I'm staying motivated and hungry. Um, I will probably stand at the start line and be like, uh, nobody respects me. You know, like maybe I have a yellow jersey, but it's probably dirty or something. You know what I mean? Like, as probably still covered in rain from last year. Um, so, yeah, I just find a way to stay hungry and, and still be excited about 
competing and um, trying to prove that I'm okay at this. <laughs> that she's okay at this. I think she is. How do you stay hungry, though? Like, what, what gets you excited? I mean, you got the big win. And you've talked about this a lot. You've been interviewed a million times about this. But going into it again, you know, when you ran New York in the fall, what's the motivating factor? I've always been interested in finding out how good I can be and, you know, testing myself against some of the best. Um, and so that's still really exciting to me. And I think the fact that I'm able to do this and that I can get out there and I can still test myself and there's still maybe an unexplored spot of my boundaries that maybe I can be just a little bit better, that's really exciting. But I'm also very aware that right on the fringes is this idea that I could just hang it up at any time. So um, that, that certainly creeps in and um, it's there. I've thought about it a lot and then I try to just focus on you know, getting a little bit, a little bit better, and appreciating that I have the ability to do this because it's pretty rare, and I'm very fortunate to have the support of Brooks and have the support of people like the New York Roadrunners and John Hancock and so on and so forth, who believe that I can come back and maybe do a little bit more, and um, I don't want to take that for granted. So the fact that I have the ability uh, really keeps pushing me forward. How's the new coaching going leading into your second training cycle with the new coaching? It's, it's fun. And so, I mean, if, if anybody doesn't know, it's a new old coach. So Walt Trent is coaching me now, and that was my college coach at Arizona State. And some people have said, well, you weren't very good at Arizona State. Why would you go back to him? Um, so I was like, what's wrong with you? Uh, <laughs> no, but he, he my, um, he's a great person. He's why I went to Arizona State. I looked at Berkeley, Stanford, Air Force Academy, really incredible schools. And when I met Walt, it was just like, you, you meet this person, you're like, he's incredible. And I think he can tap into something that is going to make me better at what I do or make me a better person. And so going back to him was super easy. Um, and also, my junior year, he took a coaching job at Michigan State that was for a men's program only. And so it wasn't a choice to not work with him anymore. It felt like an interruption in our build up to you know where I am now and so um, he's back in Michigan and I'm in Michigan and so it's it's super easy to connect with him he can make it out to workouts occasionally um, I can head over and see him at Michigan State and he's slancing and we can talk about stuff but it's a it's a really comfortable fit and I think he's testing me <laughs> in ways that um, I haven't really worked on in a long time which is good I know it's beneficial it's really difficult because I haven't been tested in a long time. And he has like a bar that's like right here. Um, you know, so when it comes to speed stuff, it's like he'll watch one track workout and say, okay, you can be doing things at this level. I'm like, I don't know, coach. I think I'm like right here. And he's like, no, no, no. I just watched that workout. You're right here. And, and that's rare for someone to say like, no, you're talented enough and you're selling yourself short and you still have a lot of pop in your legs. And we can push you further, and I think there's more there. And so it's just um, it's a different philosophy than what I had before. And not to say that this was, that's the biggest thing. It's not like this was wrong and this is right, or this was good and this was bad. It's just different. And I like that I have new, fresh challenges. I've been at this for a very long time. And so finding ways to make it fresh and fun are really important. 
I think we all want to see you race a mile now. You've been sharpening your speed quite a bit. Is that in the is that in the future at Absolutely all? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I will say I did a workout and Walt texted my husband and was like, she can run 430. I'm like, no, I can't. Like, that's <laughs> the thing. It's like, here, here. he's like, no, she could probably run, you know, I'm definitely under 440. I'm like, I don't think so. What's more terrifying, a mile or a half marathon? <laughs> half marathon. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We've heard you talk a lot about uh, enjoying the process and not just the outcomes. If that you're going to train so much, not just as an elite runner, as anybody here is training lots of hours. Uh, so the question is, how do we come to enjoy the process? We want the outcome so bad, but the process is, isn't always that fun. Like those 430 miles or whatever you're running are always that fun. How do we learn to enjoy that? Yeah. Um, how many have you like finished a run and just thought that was horrible. I wish I'd never done that. And then you get through and, and you're fine, right? It's usually, see, I think, I think that you're selling yourself short. I think you get in the middle and you're like, that was awful. And then you finish and you're like, I feel like that was worth it. Like it was really hard, but I feel accomplished. I feel like it was okay. That was pretty good. There's something, there's value in like pushing through the really hard days because that's when you kind of learn the most about yourself. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out every day, like, what can I find that was joyful about this? What, why do I still like doing this? And um, it's, it is challenging at times. But again, it, for me, it goes back to, like, we, we have the ability to do it. And it's investing in yourself and trying to make yourself a little bit better. And that's always valuable. And so um, sometimes it, it's not very fun when you're in it. But when you're done, you're like, wow, I, I just spent an hour taking care of myself. And that's really valuable. And the fact that we can do it in this way um, is really valuable. And so I think just having that perspective is really important. And that's kind of what I use. Yeah, I feel like we runners kind of got on this trend for a while where you heard people complaining about having to do their long run. And, oh, I don't want to run 16 miles on Saturday. It's kind of like, well, why are you doing it then? Like, let's enjoy the process. And so I think it's important to talk about it and bring it to the table. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we can do. If you, and if you don't like it, if you actually, in, uh, super guilty. I've been in a slump too. And I was like, I'm not doing it. Like, this is miserable. Everyone's awful. I'm not having fun. What else can I do to do the self-care thing and take care of me and make sure that I'm happy as kayaking or doing yoga or sitting on the couch for a little bit and and that's fine, too. Um, but whatever you do, like, find some joy in it. And then, you know, you can always go back to running. And hopefully that will reinvigorate you. Just sometimes we do need a break. Yeah, you did that. I did do that. And then you went and ran the Boston Marathon and won. That's right. So that's this <laughs> roadmap out there. We you have a it. plan for you. <laughs> we have a plan for you guys. I want to talk about you training solo. Like, group training seems to be such the hype right now. Tell me your thoughts. Like, what's what's your deal? Um, I've I've gone back and forth. I did obviously 13 years of group training, and um, picking your group is is really important. You know, I think one thing with group training is it's very dynamic, and you get new people in all the time. So I was like, well, this isn't. You've been in the Hansons group, and everything's good, but the Hansons group is always evolving, it's always changing, and sometimes you get a really good team chemistry, and that's, boom, this is amazing, I hope it's like this always, and then maybe, you know, there's a shift, and it just changes a little bit, and you're always adapting to the dynamics of the group, and so that can be a struggle. Um, 
I'm 35. The Hansons tend to get uh, young runners out of college who are 22, 23, and I, I do not have anything to talk to them about anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I just really, I like, I just felt like I became too old for the rotating young kids, and they're really great, great people. They're doing awesome things for the sport, and they'll be superstars in the future for sure. Um, but it was like it became almost a chore to be like, okay, like. How do I engage with them? What do we talk about? You know, Instagram. Yeah, apparently Snapchat. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know how to turn that on. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but it's it's just it's always fluid, and so that was a challenge. And um, for me now, I was in Tempe training for a lot of this, and you know, I could go out for a run by myself and run into Emily Sisson and run six miles with her, or. Jessica Ton and run a couple miles with her. And it was just, um, you know, people coming down from Flagstaff. And it was less structured, but it was more, um, I don't know. I found it a lot of fun because you could connect if you wanted to, but some days you just need time by yourself too. And you just want to just be in your own head and you don't want the, the chatter of the group and that's okay. And, and so it's not a forced thing. It's like you can pick when this works and when it doesn't. And again, it's not a right or a wrong way. It's just two different perspectives. You're doing a long run with some marathon pace work. Do you prefer do that by yourself, or do you want someone on a bike next to you, a coach, or a runner next to you? What do you prefer? 100% solo. Really? <laughs> like, I'm picturing my husband on the bike and us fighting for, like, the whole weekend <laughs> because of it. Like, you're breathing too loud. You didn't have me the water. Like, I just get, I'm, like, super dialed in, and I need what I need, and I know exactly what that is. And, like, you have the visual in your mind, but no one else knows it, and so they just screwed up. Um, and I don't want to put that on anyone, so I'm like, I'll just do it by myself. <laughs> you can't bear this. You don't want to be a part of this. Um, do you, um, when you're doing those long training runs, like, do you clock watch at all, or do you put a tape over that? Like, are you paying attention to pace, or are you feeling it out? Because we talk about running based on effort a lot here. Yeah, uh, I mean, on a long run, I just kind of go how I feel. You know, I, I tend to try to build into it and finish strong. Um, a lot of stuff is marathon pace work within it. And so if you have a pace goal, then it's like you dial into the GPS when you get there. But for the most part, it's just go by how you feel. And you're practicing the fluids and just kind of spending time with yourself. Because it's a lot of time to spend with yourself. Totally. I actually also prefer to do a long run with marathon pace alone. I don't want someone breathing down my neck either. Um, I've got the similar issue with my husband as well. It's, I get it. <laughs> Um, okay, so your career has been one of great longevity, and with that takes perseverance, it takes patience. Give some advice to the athlete who is stepping out into their professional career, who's got like two or three years under their belt and is going for a big win, going for podium spots, going for Olympic teams, but like it takes time. What do you say to them as far as having patience and how to get there? I think if it's a marathoner, which is what I know best, it's you know it's it's a marathon and it's not a sprint, and that is in the race and it's in the career and it's in the buildup and it it's a valuable lesson for all of it because we all want instant gratification, we want results right now, but the thing about the marathon is most people have success a little bit later on. It takes the time of learning the event and putting in the work and each thing builds on itself. And so the more time you can put in, the better you're going to be. Get healthy, consistent results, and they just start feeding off of each other. So um, 
I mean, I know people hate to hear stay patient, stick with it, but when it comes to the marathon, you don't, you know, you, you don't get to put your projected pace at 16 miles and count that as your result. You got to get to the end. So stay patient, stick with it. Consistency is key. So true. All right. So what are the summer plans? You're, you're obviously running the trials. We know that. What are your summer plans? That's presumptuous. Um, <laughs> my calendar stops after April this year. Uh, I, uh, honestly, I haven't really thought beyond that. I'm kind of a person who takes it one marathon at a time. Okay. Um, and again, I say burnout is always right on the fringes. And I've done so much and I've put in a lot of time and I don't want to be thinking too big picture and then get myself in trouble. So I really I do think about it segment by segment. And right now, Boston's the only well. Sunday, first thing on the list, and then Boston, marathon-wise, is the only thing on my mind. And then we'll hit reset, figure out what the next goal is and how to get there. And obviously, I think everyone's, everybody circles 2020 because that's the big thing. But, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm not really sure. We'll see. We'll see okay. after April. I'm kind of surprised. I was, I don't know why. I was like, <laughs> does this for sure running in the trials? Um, okay, so Boston, see what happens, go from there. That's Absolutely. a really smart and balanced, healthy way to look at it. I try to do that. I mean, like, my secret calendar probably has a bunch of stuff on it, but. <laughs> <laughs> what are the secrets? <laughs> can we talk about the new Olympic standard situation and the process? And can we process this together? Sure, like, let's do it. I want you to break this down. Like, what are your thoughts, feelings, and emotions? Does everybody know about what was announced. I feel like I'm not going to be able to explain it just right. But the women have to run under a certain time now to make the Olympic team, e even if they're top three at the trials. Same with the men. And it's pretty fast. It's like sub 2.30, sub 2.11. Don't quote me. I might be wrong on the exact time. But mm -hmm. what are your thoughts and opinions about that? I think in the marathon, whoever makes a team will run the time on the day. I really think our team's going to be that strong. Um, it's confusing because if you're an up-and-comer and you're dreaming of the Olympics and you go, I, I want to get in the trials and maybe I can surprise some people, and then you go, oh, 229.30, like, I, that could kind of crush things. Like, maybe I should just go a different avenue and start my next job, right? And, and I think the same thing on the track. And it's just, it's, I think it's a bummer for development, um, but there is, there's also... Uh, a point system as well. So I also think, you know, if, if you're top three in our trials, you should have enough points to make the team. And, it, and this is the problem with it, is like as a casual fan, you're like, what the heck are they talking about? And that's the problem, is that it should be simple. Top three, you go to the games, right? And that's going to be the trials conversation as well. Like, oh, she was third, she had a breakout race, she's amazing, um, but she didn't run the time, so the sixth place person has a flag, and she's actually going, like, what? Like, this is confusing. And it's just, for the casual viewer, I think I think it's kind of a mess, personally. Um, and for development, I think it's a mess. Uh, but I also understand, like, these are world-class times, and this is where we strive to be, and let's get people here, and that's exciting, too. I think, for the most part, people should hit the standards to make the team. But it does take a lot away from that outside shot who might make it surprise some people and then go, oh, I can't go because I don't have the time. Which is a bummer because our trials are very exciting that way and it's super unique. So it's mixed bag. 
it seems like we have like a million women that will definitely make that standard. The men's side, maybe not so much. I don't know. Would, do you agree with that? Do you think that? The, the, the course in Atlanta is tough. Um, I think back to Houston a few years back, which was a flat, fast course, but, you know, it was a running 210 made the team, I think. And so it's been done. I think there's talent enough to do it. You also have the opportunity if you're top 10 in a, a major, major marathon, Boston, Chicago, New York, London, Tokyo, Berlin, that counts. And again, this is the whole thing where it's like, what are we watching? <laughs> like, what am I watching? Did they make it or they didn't make it? Um, so I, I think we'll ha I think people won't have a problem getting the qualifier between you know the time standard, the top ten at the major, and then the points. I mean, I think third place. I hope third place at our trials is enough points that you just make it. Yeah. But I don't. I don't know. So whether you run or not, will you physically be present? You think you'll physically be at the trials? I will probably be at the trials. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't say for sure, but, you know, I mean, crazy stuff happens. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, Ben True's running on Sunday, too. Are, are, is this like a publicity stunt? Are we going for like a Lyndon True win for the, the coffee biz on we're Sunday? We're packing um, roasted coffee beans in our pockets. <laughs> and so if we win, instead of confetti, we're just going to throw up coffee beans. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but talk about that. What's going on with the coffee business? Yeah, it's been good. It's been busier than we expected, which is a fantastic problem to have. Um, Ryan right now is just holding it all down. Ben and Sarah have been in Tucson training. I've been in Phoenix training, and our roasters are in neither of those places, so Ryan's just hammering away roasting coffee and holding it all together. So we all have a lot of slack to pick up when we're done with our races. <laughs> I was going to ask Ryan. So Ryan's not here. He's not here. Okay. Speaking about training, where you said you were in Tempe, where, what have you been doing? Where have you also been training in Michigan leading up to this race? Just going back and mm -hmm. forth. Um, I did, I think, early January in Michigan, and then went down to Tempe or Phoenix, Arizona, right outside of ASU, where I went to school, um, and just got back from there on Tuesday. Came up to Michigan for a day. Came out to New York. I will go to Boston for a week. I saw that. Yeah, do a, a week in Boston, and then I'll go back to Michigan to finish up training um, with one trip to New York. I have a lot of frequent flyer points. <laughs> and what then airline back to Boston. do you fly? Yeah, I'm in Delta, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two more questions, and then we're going to open it up to a couple questions from the floor. So if, if you want to ask Des a question, get your thinking cap on and, and be prepared. What were you recording on Instagram the other day? I, you were like in a recording booth. What were you doing? My sick rap beats. <laughs> <laughs> Is this a secret business? Yeah. I, well, you'll have to wait till the album drops. Um, <laughs> it was an event for Brooks, and I don't know what I can or cannot say. I'm, making, I'm trying to make eye contact, but Josh is like, oh, no. She's rapping with Gucci Mane. Yeah, the, the album can't, the title can't be released. I'm so sorry, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's the big, deep question. Are you ready for this? big profound answer I don't know so we know you're not done you're racing on Sunday you're racing Boston but say you don't run the trials or when the trials are done or whatever when you're hanging it up professionally running what do you want your legacy to be that is deep I thought it was a joke <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to be known as a person who really uh, enjoyed what they were doing and put a lot of time and energy and effort in the big result is great, but loving the process and, like, I want to be a lifelong runner, and I think I learned that through 
all of this. Because when I started pro running, I was like, I love competing, I hate running. Which is weird, it's a different yeah. thing, right? And now it's evolved to like, I really like the lifestyle of running. And so I've learned that through the competition. And um, I just hope that people can appreciate that. And this is a person who just really enjoyed running. Love it. Thank you, Des. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Um, do you want to just raise hands if we have a question? If you does anybody have a question? Oh, first right, hand me, I saw right here. Hi, um, my name is Caroline. I feel like as a fellow petite runner, because I'm also not that tall, but do you feel that you have to change anything or do anything different in your training? Because I feel like when I run with people that. It's like extra steps or something that I feel like I just do a little bit extra because I just physically don't have the leg length to match it. Yeah, I think we tend to have a different rhythm, you know, and you just have to find your cadence and what works for you. So it's finding your pace and your cadence and getting comfortable with that. I think sometimes when we get in groups, we get dialed into what everyone else is doing and you just still have to do what's best for you. I think the group is great at times, but um, know your strengths and what you need on a certain day and run there. It doesn't have to be matching the person next to you if that's not what you need on the day. But yeah, I, I'm, as far as like overstriding or compensating for a, a larger stride length, just do what works for you. Yeah, don't, don't, that's when you get some injuries. <laughs> oh, we got one here. Um, just what are some general tips for us, just for us general runners? Yeah. Did I say general too? Yeah. Did I say general too much? No, it's okay. I got it. The general. Um, honestly, first and foremost, like, trim all body hair. <laughs> just, just generally, just generally. I mean, I'm not saying any specific part. Um, uh, I think uh, it's. It sounds so annoying, but it's like be patient. You know, like it, make running a really positive habit. Like, you can do that with 10, 12, 14 days in a row. Stop thinking about long-term, like, well, I have this race and it's circled, and like that's get, that gets really daunting. Just take it one day at a time and create a habit. And all of a sudden, I, was, I say this a lot, but it's running becomes like brushing your teeth, where you, you miss a day and you're like, oh, this is the worst. Like, you don't miss a day brushing your teeth, right? Like, that's gross. No one does that. And that's how I feel at this point when I don't run. And so when you can make running a habit that you just like, oh, it doesn't have to be forever, it doesn't have to be an hour and a half, it doesn't have to be f X mileage, but just get out and run, and then you make that healthy habit, and y you miss it when it doesn't happen, and that's stacking days on days on days is how you get better as an athlete, and your performances change, but also, if you're not in the performance field, and you're not worried about 5K, 10K results, whatever, you're just a healthier person, <laughs> and the hair. Hey, Des. I'm, I'm from Michigan also. Just curious if you have any favorite Michigan races, and do you think training in Michigan helped prepare you for that brutal weather in Boston last year? Yeah, a good questions. I'm, I don't, I don't want to break your heart, but I'm not from Michigan. I'm from San Diego, and then I went to school in Phoenix, Arizona, and then I moved to Michigan, and I've been there for 13 years. So literally every weather, the, the spectrum I have covered, like I got it all. Um, I do think that having trained there quite a bit um, made a big difference on Boston Marathon last year. I think 
knowing how to dress for that, knowing that you're not going to die. Like, eh, I, you know, it's fine. Like, seriously, people are like, I don't know if I can make it. Like, you'll be fine. You can cover the distance. Um, and just wrapping your mind around how, how brutal it was. Like, well, I've trained in worse than this for sure. So uh, I think that mentally was a huge boost last year. Um, as far as favorite Michigan races, I've got some work to do. I've never done the crim, but I've heard that's amazing. Um, and I, I really want to run Bayshore one day. So they're more bucket lists. Like, I feel like I am exported to race more often than not. But those are my two that I would like to do. Yeah, we got time for a few more questions over here. Are we ever going to find out what shoes you wore in Boston? <laughs> Great question. Um, it's a Brooks. Wait, let me see. It's a Brooks prototype. I don't have a name. Um, it's it's in the works. It's, it is a prototype, and there's a lot of athletes working on it. There's um, a lot of general public working on it, and just we're getting a lot of feedback and trying to make it the best shoe we possibly can. And so it should be coming out soonish. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get to help name the shoe since you won the Boston Marathon in it? It's actually named the uh, Brooks Deslin. No, I, they, <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> Um, does do you display your medals? <laughs> I sort of. I mean, I think my husband has like a pile somewhere, and then we have like a trophy that has a few in it. Uh, I have a lot of years of them, and so they are kind of scattered. And one day, I was talking to Meb about this, and he's like, "I have this great plan, and I'm going to do this one here, and like I have." And so one day I will, but not yet. We just kind of tuck them away for now. Hi, my name is Maria, and I'm just wondering, how are you going to spend tomorrow to prepare mentally and maybe be relaxed for the race on Sunday? Yeah, tomorrow's a good day. Um, I don't have any obligations. Not that this is this is a blast. I had a great time here. Um, but I do, I just get to hang out in the hotel, I'll do a nice six to eight mile run, shake out the legs, um, kick my feet up. We'll have a technical meeting, and then there's a USA anti-doping agency information meeting. So those will be two things that all the pros go to. Um, and then it is a uh, good pasta dinner, of course. And I write out a race plan, like a physical on the piece of paper, pen, so you can't cheat it later and be like, oh, delete, delete, delete. Um, <laughs> so I do that. And then I will lay out all my stuff, and you have to take a picture of your jersey with a thing. <laughs> I just signed up for Instagram, so I could put that on there. That's um, that's a joke from Josh. He's like <sighs> rolling his eyes back there. Uh, but yeah, all of that stuff. And then um, I'll try to get a lot of sleep because it's a really early start. Uh, you would think it's more exciting or different for us. It's actually exactly the same. <laughs> How much do you warm up before the half? I'll probably do two miles. Hi, Des. I'm wondering if you think it's a smart idea to try and PR in the half and if you think there's enough recovery um, for those of us who are doing Boston or other spring races four to six weeks after Sunday. Yeah, I think you, I think you have time. I mean, I think marathon training is always tricky because it's not, it's not half marathon training, you know. And so if you can nail a half marathon right now, it's hard to tell if that's a good sign in your training or you know, did I taper too much, so on and so forth. I think if, if your game plan is to dial it back and try to get after the half, go for it. And then you can refocus on the marathon training moving forward. So it's, it's always a tricky balance. Um, it's just having good perspective if it doesn't go well. You know, like, well, 
maybe I'm not in shape for my marathon because I didn't have a good one or I didn't PR or I didn't, you know, mix it up the way I thought I could. Um, it's okay, you're actually training for a marathon. So just having that perspective and there's plenty of time to regroup. I do think there's plenty of time to recover though. If you do, if, if you do not get out of the park and that was the plan, great. And then recover and then turn the page going forward. So you still have plenty of time to regroup for the full. Hi, my name is Nathaniel. Um, do you have any marathon run runners that you look up to or that you admire the most? No, I hate them all. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, no. Um, <laughs> everyone's getting concerned. <laughs> uh, I, lo I love Dina. I think she's a phenomenal person, has done so much for the sport, and just, a, you know, obviously an incredible athlete, 219 in London before all the technological advances and shoes and so on and so forth. It's pretty impressive, and that will I think that will stand for a long time. Um, Joni, you know, obviously, paved the way for us. First gold medal in the Olympic Games, just pretty incredible. Um, Catherine Schweitzer to give us the opportunity to run in these events officially as a female, that's a really cool story. Um, you know, and th there's obviously a ton of current athletes that I don't like to put on the pedestal publicly because <laughs> they'll get a big head, but <laughs> Amy Craig's all right, Shalane's all right. You know, there's some, some really great pros right now that are running. I, it's easy to tune into U.S. distance running, particularly in the marathon, and find someone to look up to or someone whose story resonates or someone who's inspiring. And that, that's a really cool thing to be a part of. There is definitely a movement going on right now, um, and it's exciting to be a tiny part of that. Hi, Des. Um, I wanted to ask about the porter potty moment with uh, Shalane, actually. <laughs> um, I wanted to know if, at the time, did you think that there was going to be a lot of focus on that? And um, as it was happening, were you thinking, oh, this is something people are definitely going to be tweeting about or making memes about or anything like that? <laughs> Not at all. I mean, honestly, she's got these incredible moments in her career, Shalane does, and I hate to attach her name to Shalane Porta Potty moment because it's like so far down on the list, and it's like it is this great moment for U.S. distance running, um, but it's, it's, it was really insignificant. You know, I think the weather was really bad, and her needing to use the restroom at that time didn't change the right tactics for the race moving forward. So it was a really simple decision. It was like, yeah, we'll just slow down because the race is going to stay slow because there's a headwind for the next 13 miles. So anybody who decides that they need to push into the headwind for 13 miles because Shalane has to go to the bathroom is not very savvy with tactics <laughs> like that's not a reason to take off into a headwind for 13 miles so it, i mean i think it it's a great moment because it shows the camaraderie we have as a group and there really is so much respect in the u.s women's side and you know her win in new york was a big part of that and our performances the olympic games were a part of that and it just it highlighted that respect but it I mean, it was in a really, like, the moment's just kind of silly, you know. I don't know if that makes sense. You set the bar high for the rest of us, though, when you did that. I mean, I know you think it was, like, a simple thing, but I think it just showed everybody here and everybody watching, like, how important it is to support your fellow runner when you could just kind of fend for yourself. So thanks for doing that. Thank you. All right, I know uh, we're gonna close up for the, for the night, um, but before we do that, uh, we're just gonna take a quick picture, um, because Des has gotta run, so I know everybody probably wants to get one a picture 
at each person with Des, but we can only just do one. So we're going to have Des and Lindsay go right here. Ted, if you want to swing up and grab that ladder. And I know everybody over here, if you want to get in the picture, you guys can kind of fill in the space a little bit here. <laughs> Ted, <laughs> we got the frame. <laughs> this will be interesting, says Ted. All right, here we go. One, two, three. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Thank you, Des, for talking with me again and being so fun and hilarious and also inspiring and encouraging all at the same time. Big thanks to the New York Roadrunners for having me out again. Can't wait to do more shows with them and head back to New York City sometime. All right, guys, you can find me on Instagram. I'm Lindsay Hine 626 you can find me on Twitter at Lindsay Hine and you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. We have a group over there as well where we've created this really fun, engaging community right now. There's a thread going on with your top five favorite uh, songs to run to. I started it. Let me tell you what my songs are because heck, why not? Okay, so I started this thread. Here are the songs that I put on my list. Uh, Close to You by Ellie Golding. Gorgeous, Taylor Swift. Ah, nah, Nappy Roots. This is how we do it, Montel Jordan. And Happy Now by, ooh, I'm going to say it wrong, Kaigo. Kaigo? I don't know how to say it. K-Y-G-O. Anyway, those were my top five songs. So so just fun little threads over there. And also people ask tons of questions. Like someone was over there asking about how to cure morning sickness and things like that. So I love that that group is being utilized to support each other and build community. And I'd love to have you join. Uh, you guys can find links to everything we talked about. All the sponsors, Mercury Mile, the New York Roadrunners Virtual Racing Series in the show notes at lindsayhine.com. Make sure when you go over there, you sign up for my newsletter because when you do that, you get the show notes emailed to you every week. Don't forget, you can find more content from me over on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash lindsayhine. I just recorded an episode with Kara Goucher and she gave me 15 bonus minutes for Patreon supporters. I want to say a big thank you to my two newest Patreon supporters. That is Hannah Dig Dignan. Hey, Hannah. I know you're in my Facebook group, too. And Alyssa Gubix. You guys, please don't hold me accountable for how I pronounce names. Um, thank you, Hannah and Alyssa, for joining Patreon over there. And then Claire Nutell. Thank you. Also, that's another new one. I am so excited to have new people joining us over there. And I just hope that you guys love the bonus content. Um, I put stuff out there that I think is valuable and fun and encouraging and will make you laugh. There's episodes with my husband, Glenn. There's episodes with returning guests and extra 15 minutes with people like Kara Goucher and Shalane Flanagan and Ben Rosario and Charlie Watson, like all kinds of fun stuff in there. I think we probably have over 40 episodes in there by now. And the cool thing about Patreon is it can go straight to your podcast app. All you have to do is copy the RSS feed from your Patreon page one time and then add the channel to your podcast app. And every time I drop a bonus episode on Patreon, it's delivered to your podcast app like any other podcast you subscribe to. All right, you guys have a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much for listening and continuing to support this show. Have a great Friday. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, I will see you next Friday.